This podcast is brought to you by ThamesCon, bringing conventions to Oxford and London, including the Great Conjunction, the first ever dark crystal convention in the world. For more information, visit their website at www.thegreatconjunction.com. Another world, another time, in the age of wonder. You are listening to Trial by Stone. Trial by Stone! Dea, Tea, Dara, Tea. Your vital essence, the Dark Crystal. Kida, Kida. Come, come, see for yourself. Aru, Garu. How very interesting. Dea, Tea. I feel the song of Thra in my heart. Now go, you heroes of Thra. Hello and welcome to Trial by Stone, the Dark Crystal podcast. I'm your host, Phil, and I just want to say thank you so much for tuning in to this podcast as we always talk about the Dark Crystal. Um, and of course, with me is my uh, co-host, uh, Sydney. So, Sydney, how are you? How have you been doing? How's your... Hello. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm doing good. It's a totally different um, time for me than it is for you as as is usually the case i'm in the past you're a day ahead of me yes i'm from the future um, yes (laughs) that'll never cease to trip me out so it's it's the end of my day over here and i've i've uh had my afternoon excursions out into the world safely and um now I'm back and ready to, to go back to thrive. Had enough of Earth today, I think. Yeah, nice, <laughs> nice. <laughs> well, you know, my day's just beginning, so yeah, just sort of d- diving into Dark Crystal, so no, which is which is all really cool. And um, and yeah, I mean, it's been a pretty good, you know, couple of weeks that we've had. Um, I mean, with the show, I know as we, I mean, of course, when we record these shows, we're much further ahead with, with the scheduling. But of course, um, you know, we had great interviews. Um, I mean, with yourself, with um, Iris, uh, you know, who illustrated the Dark Crystal Bestiary, and plenty more. Actually, um, the Saladon discussions with Part Two, and also with our interview with Javier Grigio, Mark Swash. Yeah, so <laughs> that's gonna be awesome to get that one out. And people seem to be really uh, enjoying our chat with. Uh, with Iris so far um, it's been getting a lot of attention in the artist circles and I'm you know seeing it shared left and right on Instagram and I'm just really glad that um, that she's getting the recognition that she deserves and also now this is uh, at the time that we're recording this we're like a few days or a week after uh, the announcement or after Iris's announcement that she's going to be working with Netflix on a new um, as of yet unannounced series she hasn't said what uh what exactly it is uh, if it's a film or a series but she's working on a um a project with netflix and that's awesome for her so we uh timed it timed it pretty well releasing uh, my interview with her so that people can get like real hyped about about her as she hopefully announces soon um more about more details about what she's working on yeah absolutely yeah yeah i know when that announcement came out and then i think 
yeah, it was sort of on back of my mind. I think a back of our minds. I'm like, oh, let's let's try and get that episode out a bit sooner. It was a great chat that you had with um, Iris, and um, again, thanking her for being on the show because yeah, it was, it was it was a really great. Like I I had a good time sort of editing it as well. So things are still a bit quiet on the dark crystal front, but um, you know, still have this podcast. So. <laughs> yeah, we had the big uh, ballet news, and then it got quiet again. Um, but that's that's what we're here for to to sort of poke at the void and see what comes out and what people uh in the in the fandom have to say about it and um rustle rustle up some noise where where it's needed and stop thinking about earth for a minute unless it's relevant well actually i mean one one thing that did pop up uh this is going to of course again you know everything we're going to talk about is very old news uh by the time the show comes out but of course there was that um biopic for jim henson is sort of seems to be going ahead with disney disney and jim henson company so which is really cool i always thought you know like you know like i ever i think i even call like when i was chatting to jamie i think um when I was in the US in 2019, we were at the Henson Company and it's just like, we're seeing all these clips of Jim and, and, you know, we always, you know, I always thought, back of my mind, I mean, like, you know, Jim Henson would be a perfect topic, you know, for a biopic movie. So I'm glad that sort of, that sort of, yeah, it is happening. So, which is really cool. Yeah. And it's going to further uh, speculation, I think, because it's with Disney. Um, there's always that conversation being had about whether or not Disney is ever going to acquire the rights to Henson altogether. Um, a lot of a lot of people mistakenly think that that's already the case just because Muppets have that affiliation with Disney, but as of yet, it's still just Muppets. Um, and then they have like partnerships, you know, with Henson for things like Earth to Ned and whatnot. But uh, as of yet, Disney does not own Henson Company as they as they own so many other things but there is always that speculation that people want to talk about in terms of you know who's going to get the rights so that you know maybe somebody can pick it up and continue with Age of Resistance and I, I can see you know that that just comes up in the discussions all the time like Disney should do it Disney should pick it up and and, and buy them and continue the story and you know w- regardless of my opinion on whether or not that should happen this biopic being uh disney i think is is really just gonna stir up that conversation a little more i think i could see that conversation getting reignited <laughs> yeah so no, it's uh yeah very interesting times ahead um but you know i i think it'll be uh, really cool and I, I sort of joked about that you know i think on twitter that you know i think may not be you know it, it'd probably be more centered of course with his career on um the muppets and sesame street and I'm like, oh, you know, I mean, it'd be great if there's like some moments with Dark Crystal, um, you know, behind the scenes sort of thing. But I feel like, oh, you know, maybe maybe a montage at least. Um, but yeah. Or at um, the very <laughs> least, uh, they should talk about the process of his sort of coming up with uh, the concepts for, for the Dark Crystal. And um, when he and, and Cheryl were snowed in at the, at the airport, you know, brainstorming all night because they were stuck, you know, before they could get on their flight. And that, that sort of infamous story about how they were coming up with all the ideas and um, the infamous red notebook that Jim Henson had where he wrote down all of his ideas and sort of chronologued the, the things that were happening to him. But, you know, he also very famously said that of all the projects that he worked on, the Dark Crystal was what he was the proudest of. So I feel that it would be doing his memory a massive disservice to not at least touch on it um, in, in the biopic, just because the, the man said this was the thing he was most proudest of, most proudest. He was the, the, the absolute, like, the most proud of the Dark Crystal of all the things that he had created, because it really was just 
something that he thought up from scratch and you know th that hadn't ever been done before by anybody and, and still hasn't really you know other than than age of resistance obviously to continue the story but dark, dark crystal isn't fully comparable with anything else <laughs> and uh like for him like he was always doing the muppets and sesame street and i think he's always wanted i mean the things i sort of got out of you know with his, the biography that brian j jones did is that he was always thinking ahead He's always thinking of like all these different ideas. And I think the Dark Crystal was, so, you know, he wanted to do something different. He was always working on lots of stuff at once. He was never just doing one thing at a time. Like all of these, if you look at the timeline of, you know, what was being filmed and what was being written when, like everything overlapped at some point. It was just always busy. There was never any just like lag time or stagnating between projects. <laughs> Yeah, so yeah, it'll be interesting to see, you know, further developments with the film. So no, I wish them all the very best. So of course, I mean, this episode is going to be our, as we've done in the past, been doing our discussions on all the, you know, the, the main characters. I mean, we did the main characters, the heroes of Thra. We did our triad, our, our main trio. With um, Rian, Brea, and uh, Deet, and, and Hap. And, and now I think we, we're sort of, you know, for this one, we're sort of going to focus on sort of the secondary characters on Age Resistance, but, you know, in, in the uh, young adult novels, they are sort of the main characters. So we're going to focus on the characters of Naya, Kylan, Gurgen, and as well as um, probably a bit of Tavra as well. Since, I mean, especially with Tavra, that she definitely had a big part to play in um, in the books compared to... Uh, probably what we got uh, from her on the show. And I think through discussing those characters, there will probably be other ones uh, that get touched on here and there just organically because of their connections to the other characters and whatnot. But, you know, when, when I was reading the, the J.M. Lee novels prior to Age of Resistance coming out, I sort of, right off the bat with, with Shadows, I immediately was thinking of these characters like, oh, okay, we're, we're forming a party. Like if you think of, you know, like a D&D &D campaign, for example, you have your party members and there's always the like, when you look at any group of heroes on a quest, there's always like each member of the party has their specific strengths and attributes that they bring to the party. Like who's the, the fighter and who's the healer and you know, who's, who's the bard and like things like that. And so I, it was pretty clear to me early on in reading Shadows, uh, the first book, like kind of putting together what the different roles of each of those characters are. And it's interesting to see those party dynamics as the story continues. And I think comparing that to how it's portrayed in Age of Resistance is super interesting because there's definitely still that party dynamic with these characters in Age of Resistance, but we're seeing a different focus. Um, we're, we're seeing like from the perspective of certain ones as the main feature compared to others. And, and that's the thing I was just um, thinking. I mean, just I thought I'll probably preface before we before we go on that, that of course, you know, this episode, we, we're probably going, we'll, we'll definitely be going into spoilers for the young adult novels for anyone that, you know, just, just in case for the listeners that they haven't read the books, but they wanted to sort of get into it, um, definitely give them a read uh, before you know, listening to this, um, you know, I just, I just thought I just want to let the audience know, just or the listeners know, just in case. And I mean, Age of Resistance itself, like inherently spoils certain things about the books, but not everything. Cause as we've discussed before, it's not 
a hundred percent parallel. There are certain things that are differently expressed, like the perspective is different, but also details are shared a little differently. Um, and you know, you, you have to read them to, to fully understand what I mean by that. But it's, um, so it's, it's definitely, yeah, you need to read them for sure. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. 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 Because it is, yeah, the timeline, and it is one of those things where it's like, I, I kind of felt like it was probably very early on, I think, especially with um, the first two books with Shadows and Song of the Dark Crystal. I think they were definitely, I mean, I could be completely wrong, but I'm just sort of speculating. But I think those two books were written before Age of Resistance was a go ahead, you know, that it was going to be puppets and stuff. I think it was during a time where they wrote the, you know, Joe wrote these books, probably with the intention of, you know, that there might be an animated series. And I think the animated series would have been, could have been maybe on that of the similar tone than what the books are with the, you know, the young adult. But then I think once the Netflix thing happened and then once, you know, we're going to do puppets and it's going to be big scale and stuff. And I think, yeah, things definitely, I think changed a bit. I think with um, Tides and Flames, like still trying to, to a point where it's like, I think it trying to tide in with the show a bit more, but I felt like at the same time, he couldn't really, because it's sort of, I think it was a sort of interesting thing, especially, I mean, as we talk, you know, I think I might chat about with, um, with Tides of the Dark Crystal and there are big spoiler moments in that book that actually happens in the show. And I, I like, I mean, you know, for example, of course, you know, you get the, the, the courage scene, uh, with Nay and Kyle and rescuing, rescuing, um, Rian, and then you get the dream, bit of that dream space. And of course, um, and of course with all uh, the, old death as well. And, and not, not on top of that, but also, you know, with Chamberlain drinking Mira's essence, like, like that was some really big moments, like, you know, in the show that it was, it was so weird that we actually got them like eight months before the show came out. And I kind of felt like, you know, looking back, whether, you know, whether they should have like sort of held off, you know, on, on those kind of things or whether they actually delayed books uh, three and four until after the show came out. Looking back retrospectively, you know, now having been over a year since Age of Resistance has been out and since all the novels have been out and I've read them, I'm obviously fine with the fact that, you know, they were all released when they did because now at this time I've had plenty of time to absorb all the content and I'm just glad I have it all and it doesn't matter to me which one came out first but looking back at the time um I do remember having like being really conflicted about flames in particular um because by the time I got to tides I was so in I was like I'm not gonna stop and wait for age of resistance to come out like that's not possible I have this book in my hand I'm not gonna not read it um I need to, no, I need to, because otherwise what, I'm just sitting here waiting for more Dark Crystal content, and I have this perfectly wonderful book right here that I'm not going to dive into just because I'm waiting for the show to come out? That's ridiculous. No way. But with Flames, I was a lot more conflicted because it was released so, so, so close. It was like the day before, right? It was like 24 hours, like a day or two before Age of Resistance dropped, and I was like, okay... Now I have a choice. I have this book. The show comes out tomorrow. Do I want to try to power through this book in a day and watch the show first? And then if I watch the show and the show's potentially going to spoil the major events that happen in this book that conclude the entire book series, 
Like, do I want to get that information from the show first and then finish the book series? Or do I want to commit to finishing what I started before starting the new project? And that was ultimately what I landed on was I, I did decide that I was going to try to finish and read that entire book in like a day and a half um, before watching Age of Resistance based on the principle that, no, this is the... Like, if you look at all of the all of the different stories that we have in the canon of the Dark Crystal universe, it's a bunch of different tellings of essentially the same story, different parts of the same story from different narrators. And so I was like, I started this chunk of Thra's history and this chunk of the Dark Crystal story told by, you know, from this perspective. I don't want to stop before it's finished and take on a different part of the story <laughs> from a different narrator. Yeah, I needed to like finish what I had started first before embarking on the next thing. So yeah, man, all I, I, I hunkered down and I read that, uh, I read Flames in like a day and a half and finished it like within, I kid you not, like half an hour before Age of Resistance dropped at midnight. I was like, it was like 11.30 p.m. And I was like, I got to do it. I got like one more chapter left. I can do this. And then like I closed the book and I had uh, my fiance next to me. He was like, are you going to make it? Are you going to make it? I'm like, yes, I can do this. I'm going to finish this book and then, you know, be 100% ready. And honestly, I'm really glad I did it that way. And looking back now, having revisited both the series and the books, you know, however many times I have in the past year, I think I've come to the conclusion that they're written in such a way that you could have done it either way and would have essentially gotten the same takeaway at the end. Because sort of like... Yeah, the same sort of end goal that you, yeah, that you get from Flames. I personally, you know, I, I wouldn't take it back. I'm glad that I got the, the book experience first because there's something just really special to me about watching Age of Resistance and when something familiar from the books would show up that like, oh, I know that, that's exciting. Like in episode four or five, whichever episode it is that I, I literally just revisited it today. But the first thing I remember is Fires, the name of the episode. Yeah. I think it's episode four. That is four. Yes. Uh, yep. Yep. Um, With Hop singing at the start. When we are introduced, we first see Naya and Kylan and they show up and they have their hoods up. Which, A, that's very reminiscent of when we meet Kira. She has her hood up in, um, and we, we don't see her face. And it's kind of, she's mysterious when we're first introduced to her. So it was sort of reminiscent of like a callback to that. But also, my, ha having just finished the books, I was like, oh, is that, are these characters from the books? I bet these are characters from the book. And you could kind of see that it was Naya. And then when she like pulls off, in, a, in the Kira fashion, pulling off her hood. And I was like, it's Naya! And I, like, lost it. I was so excited. And um, Andrew was, uh, you know, my fiancé was just like, I'm guessing that's a character from the books. Just judging on how excited you are. I had to actually pause it because I was freaking out and I didn't want to miss anything. I had to pause it to squeal and be like, it's Naya! It's Naya! That means that's Kylan with her! Yeah! And Andrew was like, I'm very happy for you. <laughs> So, like, if, if I hadn't read it first, that wouldn't have happened like that. I know. And, and that was, like, the most sort of interesting thing. I remember, you know, when they were f starting to announce all these characters. I mean, even back when the show was first announced and all that speculation about who are these three heroes are going to be. 
I know for a lot of us, it's like, well, could it possibly be, you know, Naya and Kylan and maybe, you know, Rian sort of, you know, you know, focusing on those three characters. And then of course, later on, we found out that it's going to be Rian, um, Deet and Brea. So that was always a little bit fun of that. But I mean, but I was actually more surprised that when they um, announced like all the characters from the show and we saw the images of Naya and Kylan, and I, I like I, I was I was actually kind of shocked. I'm like, oh wow, okay, they're actually going to be part of the show. Um, so they are including them. Like, how much of this is overlapping? Like, we know obviously the story overlaps, the events overlap, but in terms of are we going to be literally reading exact scenes that are going to play out in Age of Resistance? Is it just going to be like a book version of the show? Or is it, you know, and it turns out it's it's kind of a marriage of both of those things because there are definitely moments in the books that play out really, really similarly to specific scenes um, in Age of Resistance. And having read the books first, when you're watching it, you're like, oh, it's just like I read it. It's, you know, just like I pictured it. And there were definitely little bits of that. But for the most part, it was just like we're seeing the same events that we read about, but through different eyes or we're seeing what was happening in a different location because for example in since i assume we're we're probably going to dive into to naya first here because she's like how can we how could we not but we don't see any of the swamp of sog in age of resistance like we pretty much only we go to harar we see the the co- the seafin coast we don't really see the full scope of of the seafin like landscape or, or seascape actually yeah i mean we don't see the wells you know the the area where um uh the wellspring the wellspring tree is and yeah right yeah, we just see side. like yeah. the seafin coast Sarah as it you know where yeah where it borders harar and we see stone in the wood obviously and we see the caves of grot but we don't go to the swamps of sog we don't see it at all we only meet three drenchen in the entire series we just meet naya gurgen and their mom lacid Whereas the book series literally starts in the Swamp of Sog and a huge chunk of the entire series, it, not the, ser- the, the book series, a huge chunk of the book series is spent reading about the Swamps of Sog and learning about the culture of being a Drenchen because the narrator of two of the books is a Drenchen. It's like we're, we're hearing about the same things that happen in Age of Resistance, but what was happening in the places we didn't see it in Age of Resistance happening. Um, and then same thing with the Sprite and Plains, because, with Sammy Thicket, because that's the next place we see after Naya leaves the Swamp of Sog. She goes to Sammy Thicket and meets Kylan. And we, again, we don't see any of that. Uh, we don't see any of really the Sprite and culture at all. I think we meet, I think Kylan... And the Madra are the only Spritons we see in all of Age of Resistance, if I'm not mistaken, unless... I mean, I mean, you do see, I mean, we see, you know, those characters sort of at the end where the, you know, all the clans come together, but there's only, you know, a couple of them from each yeah. <laughs> clan sort of thing. Um, yeah, not enough to, like, learn about them or, like, get an insight into Spriton culture, really, other than just what we can deduce based on Kylan. Yeah, and, and that was the thing, like, with the books, I think, um, well, things don't match up, you know, at times, but I think the best thing about these books are the world building and really getting to know more of these different clans and stuff that you wouldn't get from the show. And even, and actually, and actually little bits and pieces, because, I mean, I've sort of been revisiting, I've been, I've, I've read, I, I've reread um, 
Shadows of Dark Crystal. Because I thought, you know, for these shows, I thought, oh, you know, I actually mind sort of reading them again because I hadn't really read them since the show came out. I think when the show came out, I read uh, Flames, but I hadn't gone back to the other three books or, you know, to reread them all again. And there's, there's lots of interesting things. I mean, especially, I mean, with Shadows, um, even the connection between Kylan and Skekmal the Hunter. When we find out about the uh, the Hunter, that, yeah, I mean, the Hunter, there was, I think it was one time where the Hunter uh, took away Kylan's parents and, and probably killed him. I, I mean, there's so much backstory to Kylan. I mean, yeah, I guess we're, t- sure, let's start with Kylan, I guess. That's that's a twist. I'm, I'm cool with that um, because <laughs> Kylan is like, he has this huge backstory pertaining to one of the primary villains of the entire series in Age of Resistance. The Skegma the Hunter, we meet him as like, he's this mythical, like, oh, the other Skeksis are afraid of him. That's intense. What's this guy going to be like? And it was another experience, like I talked about before with Naya, where like me having read the books already, the minute they mentioned that um, the Chamberlain was going to call Skekmal the Hunter and they were all, and I was like, oh, oh, I knew, I knew it was coming. I was like, yeah, it's the Hunter. And Andrew was like, oh, is he cool? I'm like, yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> and it was another one of those experiences that like, I wouldn't have quite had that same reaction of like getting hyped because I knew like kind of what was coming because I had read the books first. Um, but there's, another layer of backstory to how the hunter is introduced in the books specifically because of kylan because in the books it's like they have this this mythical story that they have all these songs about and these like scary ghost stories that they tell all their kids about the hunter and they don't even refer to him as a skexis at all they don't they don't even know really that he is a skexis they have no reason to believe that he's a skexis because life as they know it the skexis are their friends they're their buddies so they don't and also it did make me think about i mean that's why the hunter wears a mask to disguise himself as being a skexis i think which is interesting because, like, he doesn't really have any stake in what happens to the other Skeksis. Like, that's kind of their whole thing is that they're really in it for themselves. They don't really care about each other at the end of the day. They would, they would sacrifice any of their brethren for the for their own their own skin, basically. Um, so it's interesting that Skekmal still conceals his identity as a Skeksis because he's what does he really have to lose if they find out like what's going to happen what's at stake at that point nothing really for him it's more for for the other ones (laughs) it sort of blows their cover and so on some level he knows that that is important that that sort of status quo of the relationship between the gelfling and the skexies still is important to to uphold so yeah that's a really interesting point but so when it comes to kylan it's interesting because through Kylan, that's when we are introduced to the idea of Skekmal. And obviously we don't hear his name, he's just the hunter. And Kylan is one of the few, if not the only member of his clan who actually believes that the hunter is a real creature because he is convinced that's who he saw take his parents. And this shadowy figure that he saw kill his parents matches up with the stories of the hunter and he is essentially adopted by uh the madra of the sprite and clan and is raised by the madra sort of as her 
like her ward, basically. But he's an orphan for all intents and purposes. And that's a bunch of backstory we don't have at all in Age of Resistance. All we know is that he's like this adorable little dude with Naya. In the show, he's sort of portrayed as like this sort of peacekeeper. You know, in the very first scene that we meet them in the Podling Tavern, we have Naya sort of butting heads with Rian and with Tavra right away and getting like really confrontational and like, hey, I'm here to take Rian to make a trade for my brother and I don't care what happens to you, I just want to save my brother. She doesn't have any context about the Skeksis yet at all. All she knows is like, they want you and I want my brother, so I'm making a trade, which you know, we'll, we'll jump more into that when we, do, we talk, fo- focus more about Naya, because I have thoughts on that too. But at that point... that That's the thing, thinking about going back to Naya. Um, I, like, I know... I, I definitely think her character portrayed in the show is very different compared to the book. And I think one such example, I think... I mean, in the books um, with Naya, uh, she's never ventured off further than the Swamp of Sog. You know, she's always just stayed there and... And so when she um, decides to go, you know, she goes to Harad, you know, to go and stand up on behalf of her brother and all that kind of stuff. And it was like her first time going out to a point where she actually ventures off by herself um, with herself and Nietzsche, her uh, little eel uh, companion. Yeah, which would have never worked as a puppet, I guess, but... um... I would have loved to see it. I was wondering about, like, I'm like, what happened to Nietzsche? Um, or whether they would have, they, I mean, yeah, maybe they could have maybe done a digital sort of CGI, but I think that might have been a bit too much work to be like, yeah, you know, yeah. yeah. I We know they can. It's just a matter of whether or not they, you know, had the, the time and the budget to throw in yet another thing, you know. Yeah, and, and another character that you sort of had to put in the scene as well, so... Yeah, yeah, so... But we know the capabilities are there. It's not a question of whether it's possible so much as just whether it was worth it at the time. <laughs> and ultimately it wasn't, but... Uh... <laughs> well, I mean, well, that that's a thing. I mean, that that might be a thing that, you know, had, if they done if they do you know a second season and they we go see the Swamp of Sog, I think seeing those niche, um, you know, the, the eel... Like creatures. Well, the muskie yes. is the, muskies, the sigil yes. of their clan. We would have to see at least one. Yes, yeah. If we went there. Yeah, totally. It'd yeah. be like not seeing a landstrider. Yeah, basically. exactly. Yeah, yeah. So no, and that's the thing. Like, yeah. Whereas in the show, I think Nia's. I I feel like like she has traveled around before. You know, a bit more adventurous, more. I mean, more fierce as you know, as um, Olga would call her. So, um, but I think you know, again, I mean, that's really really i mean because of the books that you know the young adult novels had the sort of around that age range of 13 to 17 so i think the characters from those books are probably a little bit younger um than what they were on the show i don't know what were your thoughts on that yeah well when we're introduced to naya and shadow she doesn't even have her wings yet right she's she's um still i mean she's it's established that she's old enough to have her wings, but she's kind of a late bloomer. But she's still going through that sort of very adolescent adjacent issue. And we see her grow. We're growing with her over the course of the novels. Whereas as we see her in Age of Resistance, we're kind of already seeing her fully evolved. We're seeing her personality. Her personality when we meet her in Age of Resistance is a lot closer to what her personality is like by flames. Like, by the time she's gone through a bunch of stuff and she's hardened and she's toughened and she's seen more of the world, 
then she's a little closer to how she's portrayed in Age of Resistance. It's just that the timing doesn't quite match up because at the at those events that we see her in Age of Resistance is a little earlier on in the timeline. And if you were trying to match it up with the books, she would be less experienced at that point. She'd be a little younger. She'd be a little more naive. And I do get it from the sake of a storyteller's perspective because we have to have our, our gen character. We have to have the character that doesn't really know anything about the world and we're learning with them. They're sort of serving as our eyes as we explore a world that we are not familiar with and it gives us an excuse as an audience to learn about stuff because this character is learning it too. So we had that with Jen in the original movie and we've, we've talked about how in Age of Resistance, Deet essentially serves as that character for us. Um, whereas in the novels, Naya is very much that character. She's only ever lived in her swamp and as she's venturing out and exploring the map, we're doing it with her and she's you know, a lot more naive. She's a lot more, well, not necessarily naive, but she has, she has ideas of what she thinks the world is going to be like out there. And she's eager to see it. She like, um, there's, there's a, a line toward the beginning of the book where she talks about how she's, she was like easily bored and, and always wanting to, to venture out and to do more. And, um, so she kind of had that, like, almost Disney princess uh, mentality of, you know, I, I want more. <laughs> Here's, here are my circumstances. Like technically my life's pretty okay. I don't have anything immediately to complain about. The status quo is pretty good as far as I know it, but I need something more. I, I, what do I want? And um, Naya definitely has that going on. And when we, when you compare that to how we meet her in Age of Resistance from a storyteller's point of view, we're already getting that from other characters, mainly from Deet. And if we were to have Naya go through that at the same time, like, A, that's just a lot of character development and art and layers and stuff for another secondary character. And we're already doing that for at least four other characters <laughs> as it is in Age of Resistance. Um, so, I mean, they can only fit so much in a 10-hour series. You can't give a big, complex character arc to every single party member. And I think it's pretty smart what they did in terms of we're going to have the sort of protagonist be a secondary character from this point of view, but if you read the book, then they're a primary character and you're seeing what it was like from them. Because if you think about the real world, you know, every single person is the protagonist of their own story, you know, if you go out to Starbucks and you run into somebody for five seconds in line at Starbucks and you're never going to see them again, never going to think of them again, you might forget the moment ever happened. But that person, from their perspective, they're going to go on living the rest of their life and have their whole character character development and their whole arc and their whole lessons that they learn. And they're the main character in their story and they're never going to think about you again. You're the secondary character in their story. So, like, the way that we have these stories in... Uh, the Dark Crystal universe is like kind of that same idea of, hey, it depends on perspective <laughs> from a certain point of view. <laughs> who, uh, who, who's telling the story? That's going to dictate what story you're told, basically, is who's telling it. Yeah. And, and I think um, as we've, you know, I mean, chatted to, um, I know with Javier, you know, you know, that they, you know, some parts, you know, they, they just shake hands. Um, and also I think from Joe, like, you know, they, they, they rhyme. But yeah, I mean, I, I mean, that was a thing like, I, I mean, it wasn't, I mean, for me, like with things, you know, connecting up with the books and the show, 
it wasn't really till yeah i mean episode four that when we sort of get you know nye and kylan being first introduced um to the characters i'm like okay it's going to go in a different different sort of um you know trajectory sort of thing but i mean at that point there was just like well it, it didn't really matter for me if things didn't match up or whatnot i mean of course in an ideal world you know i would love that but at the same time it's like well i i think it you know it was sort of you know i mean for, for them to 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 do that is, is fine and i think you know it sort of i think opens up more you know for you know for creativity and, and more stories told you know that you don't have to follow the the law you know i mean for example like with star wars how you know they they decide to sort of um you know start over the canon and and having all these stories all match up sort of thing or you know you know in the end i mean dark crystal is fantasy you know myth and lore and you know uh, that mythology and 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 even like you could think about our real world how you know there can always be stories from different perspectives and you know our you know our memories can you know change or you know over time that sort of thing so there is always well and it's also kind of like that telephone game you know where you you whisper one thing to somebody and by the time it goes down the line and gets to the sixth person it becomes a totally different story because of the the way that the different you know each individual storyteller heard the story and interpreted it and what what happened from their perspective and also if if you really think about it too like if you want to use star wars as an example of a cohesive canon yeah they put all of this work into trying to line everything up and put aside the things that are not canonical and say definitively these are the things that line up perfectly and you know no contradictions here's the canon okay but you know look at the fandom of star wars look at how much contention there is about that and how many arguments and feuds and like find me one star wars fan i'm sure there are some but you know find me one that you can think of off the top of your head who just loves everything in the franchise and has nothing like controversial to say about any other parts of it like it's a whole big thing because of how huge it is and how much effort was put into trying to like clean up the canon to make make it just squeaky clean cohesive and i'm not saying it's like a bad thing to do that in general of course consistency is always you know you, you want to have it but there are trade-offs to going to those lengths when you have something so huge to to make it perfectly cohesive and make everything line up to the t it is kind of a a safer and smarter route i think to go the way that dark crystal has gone thus far which is here's a compendium of information all from different points of view of this other world other time (laughs) that is like we're archaeologists uncovering this information about this ancient time in another world and that's sometimes you're going to find things that contradict and you have to figure out what the truth is to you what resonates with you more and making it so that you know even just looking at the at the jm lee novels the fact that each one of them is from a different narrator's perspective you're gonna have um difference little little differences even within those four novels just because of the nature of coming from different perspectives um because you are like take the way that kylan is written we see him from naya's perspective in two of the books 
and we see him from Rian's perspective, really, when we meet them in Age of Resistance. And he's even smaller at that point, Kylan. Um, but if you look at Song of the Dark Crystal, the whole story is from his perspective. He's our narrator. And it's it, so it's a whole different story at that point, basically. <laughs> um, so it's, it's I, I would much prefer that. I would rather be sort of like a, like a, a archaeologist <laughs> of, of fiction, you know, digging through all of these various things and picking and choosing my favorite things and relating to different protagonists and different storytellers. Th that's more interesting to me than just being like, tell me what is canon and what isn't. <laughs> and like, I, you know, maybe, maybe I'm a little uh, weird for that, but I, I think that's personally what works about the Dark Crystal franchise. And I don't think that it should be like Star Wars, air quotes. Um, no. No, no. Like, it's good to make the comparison, though. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, um, and, and again, like with these books, you know, and I was just trying to think of other examples of, you know, things in the books that aren't in the show is probably the use of um, uh, the Gelfling essence, which I call it uh, Vlayaya. Yeah. Well, Naya's healing, 100% was what I was going to say. Same exact. She's, that's a huge part of her entire character arc across the books is whether or not she gets to keep her healing abilities, the fact that her training to be the Madra of her clan someday has to do with the fact that she has to be a healer. And, like, healing ability is such an inherent trait in the Drenching clan in general, but especially with the the Madra and her daughters. Like, her mother, Madra Laced, is the healer. Um, and they, they uh, there's this whole plot point of Naya's growth where she thinks she's lost her healing ability and right off the bat from the very first book her, the, her ability to essentially heal the darkening which is huge like she can actually heal darkened animals and I think even the tree a little bit mm -hmm. you know with the um uh, yeah, the blisty you would the darkwood tree that would be an incredibly valuable skill to to the party um, and that you wouldn't want to like leave out that detail in <laughs> in Age of Resistance because like hey we have this person with us who can literally heal the darkening the thing that you're trying to figure out this whole time like readers of the book are looking at what happens to Deet at the end of episode 10 and thinking well dude Naya can help out with that go have Naya heal deep like a lot of us were thinking that like well how come we're not talking about that <laughs> and at the end of the day like it just might have been too much of a like a MacGuffin situation to incorporate into the series yeah um and sorry i i just wanted to sort of go back i think um i think i might have got the tr trees wrong uh mixed up i think i said the blissy stab which is the sanctuary tree but of course i think i was referring to the olyeki stabber the the cradle tree that's the one i was thinking of um and and um yeah yeah so i just thought i'd <laughs> uh bring that up yeah 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 totally because there's this whole thing where she talks to to that tree like it's a, a spirit guide much like how deet talks to the the sanctuary tree um so it's it's really similar again like we're comparing <laughs> naya to deet even though they're such they have such different characterizations different personalities they serve the same purpose to the audience for their respective 
story. Yeah, and, and that was the other thing I was just thinking about, you know, how the Drenchen are so known for the healing abilities. I mean, that would be kind of a cool thing wherever, you know, if it was a second season, if um, maybe Mordor Lysid or even Naya, like, attempt to heal Deet. And it doesn't, and, I'm, and, you know, they try and it doesn't work and they have to find some other way to heal yeah. her. That would be a huge motivation to go to the Swamps of Sog in season two. Like, that's a reason why they would have to go there. I mean, there's a bunch of reasons why they should go there. I mean, we've theorized till we're blue in the face about how, like, it makes perfect sense for surviving Gelfling to go escape and hide out in the Swamps of Sog because it's the, the Skeksis kind of don't really pay attention to the Swamps of Sog. It's sort of, they don't like going there. It's not... Um, they're, they're sort of safe in there and maybe they go there to seek refuge maybe they go there to bring Deet and see if um, if the Drenchen clan can can help to heal the darkening in Deet because that's kind of their whole thing especially Naya um, so yeah it is super weird that this you would think this huge like game changing ability this, this ability that Naya brings to the party that is just nobody else has it Except for Gurjin, because again, they that's oh that's the other thing that's missing from you know, to answer your question in another way, a thing that's missing from Age of Resistance, um, that was so present in the books is that twin energy, like the fact that the the essence of the twins, Naya and Gurjin, how the Skeksis sort of lust after that in a special way compared to how they want other Gelflings. They almost, in the books, it seems like the Skeksis want Naya and Gurjin way more than they want Rian. <laughs> like, and in the in the show, all they care about is getting Rian. Oh, definitely. Yeah, yeah. They were just very fascinated to know, to get the combination of them too, you know, to put the essence together like that with them make, makes them even more powerful and i still think of my crazy sort of theory i think in the early days of trial by stone and I always had this weird theory because of this whole you know with Valaya, the Valaya, and how sort of each you know each clans have different abilities i mean as we just sort of discussed you know with um with the drenchen i think uh, the you know for healing and i know there was other abilities i think the Vaparin clan, I think they can um, be invisible or, or some, something along those lines. So I always had this idea about what if um, like Skektek manages to get essence from all the seven different clans and what happens, you know, all, you know, all the seven sort of combine into this one big mega essence sort of thing. Well, then I think the Gartham would be even scarier because then they could, <laughs> they'd be able to like fly and go invisible and heal, heal their own wounds. They'd be like Wolverine and they'd be indestructible, um, even more so than they already basically are. Um, so yeah, I mean, that's, it's <laughs> not too wild a theory because essentially, yeah, the whole point of the, you know, learning about the seven clans is like what each of those clans bring to the table. And you know, the Skeksis twist that to be means of dividing them, you know, to, to sort of get them in competition with each other, when in fact it should be all the reasons why they should come together as a unified party to bring those skills together to, to complete the puzzle, because <laughs> they, they need each other, essentially. Um, but, yeah, the whole twin thing with Gurjan and, and Naya, we, we get the idea in Age of Resistance that their bond is super close and that, you know, all Naya cares about is Gurjan. She's willing to throw Rian completely under the bus when she meets him if it means she gets her brother back. 
and you know so they have this bond but that's that's kind of as far as they take it and then when you know the whole carriage scene when they finally have Gurjan back and Naya and Gurjan are fighting side by side and we can see that they sort of mirror each other in their movements and the the way that they fight um we can see that they have that connection but it's not really explored any further than that it's not um and and in the books they really make it seem like all of the Skeksis like once they learn that there's there's twin Gelflings like twin Gelfling that have healing abilities like oh that's the most valuable essence we could possibly get what if getting the essence from these twins is like super essence kind of like what you were talking about um they talk about that in the books like non-stop they, they make it seem like because again I guess from from Naya's point of view or from those party members point of view you know they're really hyping up the importance of that part like this is why they were after me whereas Age of Resistance is really from from Rian's point of view and from Deet's point of view and Brea's point of view and they're all sort of in their own little circle but that's the point of view we get in Age of Resistance and so they're not really thinking about why Naya and Gurjan are valuable. They're just thinking about, you know, the things that directly affect them, you know, because they're the, they're the protagonists in their own story. Um, and so there's just, it's interesting, that whole entire chunk that seems so important in the books, but is just kind of brushed under the rug or not even acknowledged. Yeah, and that was the other thing, like, I was sort of thinking about a lot, like, with the show, and I thought one of the things that... Um... I think it was sort of lacking, but I think it was one of those things where it's like, oh, well, you know, you can sort of leave it up, you know, to what happened in the books where we get, you know, the, the scene with um, Naya and um, Tavra and Kylan, you know, when they're rescuing, you know, Gurgen from the Castle of the Crystal and sort of, yeah, we didn't really get much of like them actually rescuing Gurgen or um, it's sort of a bit, bit left open or especially like with Tavra, how you know, you, you find out later on that she actually got captured by the Skeksis. And I sort of thought, oh, you know, what happened to that part of the story? You know, I thought, you know, with, a, you know, Naya and um, Gurgen and, and, you know, Kylan, you know, they would have done anything to try and, you know, help her. But um, yeah, that, that was like one of the little things like in the, in the show where I just like, oh, it didn't really go too deep into sort of those moments. But I mean, like you said, you know, it's all from the point of views of, um, Rian and, and Brea and Deet but also it's like but then it's sort of like well you can sort of fit the pieces together you know if you've read the books and all that kind of stuff so I think that's probably didn't have time to sort of you know you know had had a big you know further telling of like the scenes like we're trying to rescue um Gurgen from the castle of the crystal yeah and there you know aspects of their relationship and their character character dynamics are hinted at in Age of Resistance like you know of course, the the funeral song for the Almadra, we see that Kylan, you know, is the one who starts playing his furka, and it's like this, he's doing the, the dream etching, you know, of her spirit. So it's, it's hinted at that, you know, the importance of Kylan's song-telling ability and exactly how powerful it is when he plays music. Like, whereas in the books we see, like, he actually, like, it's sort of his form of combat. There's that this whole segment where like he hurts the Arathim, like he hurts the spiders by playing the music. And there's, you know, all the times when he dream etches things, um, like he, the, the entire message of 
you know, Rian's message to lighting the flames of resistance and telling everybody what is happening with the Skeksis, that's all done through Kylan putting that dream fasting message into the the petals from the tree and sending that everywhere, which is like this huge climactic, just humongous part of, of the books. And that's not how the story is told at all in Age of Resistance. Um, it's... We, we don't get any hint of that, nor do we get any real indication that that's just how awesome Kylan is. You know, we just get a little hint of that, that his his abilities with the Furka are more for, like, emotional support and things to, like, kind of the morale of keeping the party unified, which is a really interesting take. Like, that's that's definitely valuable, and while that is certainly true in the books that Kylan does do that it's definitely much more complex than that. Like, he can actually deal out some damage and take do some important plot points. Also, when they first meet Rian in the book, in, I think it's it's in um, Song of the Dark Crystal, when they first meet Rian, from Kylan's point of view, Naya is really, like, emotionally wounded at that time because they think that Gurjan is dead. And um, she's going to dream fast with Rian and Kylan steps in and says you're not 100% right now I should be the one who does this and it's Kylan who dream fast with Rian and gets that initial message when they meet so again he's like this crucial plot point to like progressing the, the events that happen Kylan's yeah 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 continuing the message that Rian gave to him at the start of the book and using that towards the end of the uh, end of um song um, and actually song is actually one of my favorite books. So I'm like, I'm like, now that I've finished re- reading, um, uh, shadows, I'm actually looking forward to sort of delving back into, um, song of the dark crystal. And there's lots of other things I loved about, I mean, especially with, um, them, you know, visiting Olgra and sort of the connections that there was, I think with creation myths with, um, and with Kylan yeah. gets the, the round yeah, the, book. Yeah. The, yeah. Right. Oh. book. And, um, and I think, um, you know, the, the bellbird sort of thing that was sort of, um, gear, um the song teller who who you know was uh, was from creation myths so i think there was a lot of i mean that, i think that was a thing back then where there was a lot of connections between um the creation myths um and now you know of course that was before age of resistance was a thing so i think that was the thing i really um i enjoyed those little connections so that's why i'm sort of and the fact that kylan was literate and naya was not played a huge part of that dynamic as well. Kylan's ability to read was like, and I could see why they wouldn't put any emphasis on that in the show because we kind of have that through Brea and we didn't want to be like super repetitive. But at the same time, you know, it is a a crucial part of his whole journey. And the fact that, hi, he has Rownip's book and is the one learning about the entire like history of Thra and learning about the world on this humongous scope. Kylan's the guy. And um, they really boil it down in the in the series to just he's kind of the emotional support sidekick. You know, he's almost like he's is hinted at kind of being like the Samwise character to to Naya. He's like he's Naya's Sam, and um, it's hinted we don't we don't see the full scope of that in Age of Resistance. It's hinted that he's her Sam, but if you hadn't read the books, you don't really know much more than that. You just know like oh he's he's her like heart. He's her spirit. He um you know plays the songs and and keeps the morale up and makes the broth and he's charming and cute. But 
Kylan's got way more going on than that. And, uh, you know, I go on forever about how Kylan is so much more relevant <laughs> to all of the plot progressions <laughs> of what happens on a grand scale. So it just goes to show point of view is everything. Because to even if you look at the, that point in uh, Song of the Dark Crystal when they meet Rianne, the way that we are introduced to Rian from Kylan's point of view, Rian's kind of different than how he is in the show. He's a lot more like almost annoying because he's just such a grouch and he's so, he's like this emo kid blowing his bangs out of his eyes and like just so like Ugh. and and Kylan is the one telling us this story and he's like I understand after dream fasting with him like why he's so bummed out because he's been through some serious crap and he's depressed and like. So he empathizes with him, but that's the only side of him we really see. And while we get that side of Rianne in Age of Resistance, we see that he's got a grumpy boy edge. That's not all he is. That's not all he's, that's just one facet of his character. He's the hero. But in the books, Rianne's not the hero. And he's certainly not the hero from Kylan's point of view. Because from Kylan's point of view, who's the hero? Naya, 100%. <laughs> Um, yeah, so I know that there's, there's just so much stuff in these books, um, that, you know, it's just been, it's, it's, it's been kind of cool just re revisiting them all. And I'm sort of continuing that with, um, with shadows, uh, we started with shadows and now onto songs. So I'm actually looking forward to sort of, um, getting back into it and especially rereading, um, flames again, because, um, I only read that, um, once or I think a, a twice maybe. So it's sort of, I've really been meaning to wanting to sort of, revisited it again so um it's been a lot of fun and i know i mean we, we, i mean we've we've chatted for an hour now so i kind of feel like you know i mean it, it's always one of these things where we thought oh you know maybe we'll probably get this done in one episode but no way too much i kind of feel it i know it's too much i think we're definitely going to need a part two yeah um, we're looking at Naya and, and pretty much just focusing yes. on shadows and song at this point really and <laughs> well but yeah there's so exactly much more. yeah we could do a whole hour on tavra alone i think too i just but we'll see yeah so that'll wrap up for this episode of trial by stone i hope you enjoyed listening to our discussion um on uh, you know the other heroes of thra or i guess you know probably the title of the show is probably going to be called fires of resistance uh the discussion of naya and kylan and and gurgen and um i know we didn't delve too much into Tavra, but i think definitely save that for part two so no, very much looking forward to that and yes yeah, so much more so no thank you so much for tuning in and stay tuned for more um Try by soon. See you next time, guys. If you'd like to get in contact with the show, you can do so at darkcrystalpodcast at gmail.com. Like us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash darkcrystalpodcast. Follow us on Instagram at darkcrystalpodcast and on Twitter at darkcrystalpod. If you'd like to support the show, 
subscribe to the podcast, write a review on Apple Podcasts and consider being our Patreon supporter at patreon.com forward slash darkcrystalpodcast. Thank you all so much and stay tuned for the next episode of Trial by Stone. This podcast is brought to you by ThamesCon, bringing conventions to Oxford and London, including the Great Conjunction, the first ever dark crystal convention in the world. For more information, visit their website at www.thegreatconjunction.com.